So what else are you doing? So how can we help you? How can you help you? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Add on to this. And for some families, what we've given already, I mean, those are the best conversations, right? Like they're already so excited. They would love more. Who doesn't want more? But right. even if they didn't get the scholarship they're competing for, they feel really solid about what we can offer. Yeah. Following is a conversation with Catherine Rohde. Catherine is one of the financial aid directors at Regis University. I think the financial aid department at most colleges seems to be thought of as a black box, something that prospective families and teenagers won't ever really understand, so don't bother inquiring for more money. This seems to largely be a fallacy, especially after talking to Catherine. Her willingness to break down the financial aid process, but also perhaps most importantly, providing helpful insights on how to communicate with both the financial aid department and the admissions department at different schools is refreshing and I think incredibly helpful for families who are looking to cut the cost of college. My name is Michael McKelvey. This is the Better You Podcast. To support this podcast, please subscribe if you find it helpful. And now, my conversation with Catherine Rohde. Catherine, I have an iPhone 13. Okay. How much less money will the government give me for college because of that? I have no idea. Hopefully not much. <laughs> okay. I don't have an iPhone 13. Okay. So okay. I, I, I can't answer that question. But no, you have great taste in technology. Okay. Yeah. Is it uh, so more or less? Would they, will they ding me for it? Or? Absolutely not. Okay. No, they're just looking at your income. Okay. Do you make a lot of money and that's how you afforded your iPhone 13? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Is it because it's only got two cameras? Or? Probably. Okay. Yeah. Actually, you might get some more grant money because they feel sorry for you. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, serious question on a more serious note, though. Uh, so you've worked in financial aid now for, I mean, you were just sharing uh, 15 years here at Regis. Here at Regis, yeah. So and if you include my time as a student employee, it would be closer to 20. Yeah. So, I mean, a couple decades now. Yes, let's say that out loud. More <laughs> <time>. <laughs> I mean, that's something to, I think, wear with pride. Um I did have a question though. How does this all work? That's such a big question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the FAFSA, you hear that all the time. The free application for federal student aid is the starting point for most schools. You have to fill it out. I had a parent come to one of our orientation sessions and look at me with horror that she had to do it every year. Mm-hmm. That's also a true statement. Um, so it's a, it's a federal application. All schools across the country who are, you know, applicable, right? Mm -hmm. They're getting federal funding will require that you do a FAFSA. So you do the FAFSA, you get over it, you hop online. It's all at studentaid.gov. It's really simple. Mm -hmm. I did it when there was dial-up internet. It took a little bit longer. Took a little longer. Two decades ago, right? Yeah, a little few Um, few dial So this is way easier is what I'm saying now, um, which is fantastic. It usually takes about 30 minutes. I was telling you we do FAFSA filer events all the time. So Mm -hmm. as financially professionals, we go and just sit with families and help them fill it out. Mm -hmm. 30 minutes. They're Mm. terrified and then they leave and they say, oh, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. It's not so bad. Not so bad. Not so bad. So you guys are working with high schools and you guys do go out and help high schools. Because obviously you work here at the college, but you guys will go help high schools and help families. Yeah, most financially professionals will just agree to kind of go to some high schools as much as we can. It's outside of, you know, normal nine to five you know, day-to-day things, but we try to go out there and just help people feel more confident about filling it out. Because if you're not filling it out, you're probably also not going to go to college. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of scared or you don't know how to afford it. Mm-hmm. So we know if we can help bridge that gap and educate families, this really isn't 
hard. It's not involved. It's not scary. Yeah. You can get this done. Let's help you that first year. Hopefully then renewing it for the next couple of years will also not be so bad either. Yeah. And maybe the, the fear, and you probably know better than I do, is the novelty of it if it's mm-hmm. something that's new, right? Yes. Or that it's going to take five hours and yeah. you might. Yeah. Not feel happy. Yeah, at least, uh, (laughs) yeah, once you see the expected family contribution. Fortunately, they're changing that language a little bit. They are changing that language, yeah. I guess if you could maybe break it down into a timeline then, Mm because I'm sure a lot of families have that question. They have these fall college nights. Um, Maybe just break it down into a timeline of the progression that a family should go through if they're looking to qualify for financial aid. Absolutely. I mean, the first thing now what all students are doing in families is applying for admission mm-hmm. to the colleges of their choice. So that's what they really should be focusing in right now, if they haven't already. In October here? Yeah, even earlier. I think a lot of admissions offices are going out with maybe early decision notices mm-hmm. um, or just even those great acceptance letters. Those first rounds are starting to come out. Mm-hmm. We as, as financial aid officers don't even look at a FAFSA until you've been admitted. Mm-hmm. So making sure you know what colleges you're applying to, getting those applications out of the way, that's the focus right now. Mm-hmm. As we move into late October, early November, we have families filling out that FAFSA. So you go online, you get that done, you include all the schools that you've applied for admissions to on the FAFSA, and you send it on its way. At that point, it's our job to help communicate. So you should be getting emails, phone calls, maybe even text messages from admissions from the offices of financial aid. Mm-hmm. And we kind of let you know, hey, we got your FAFSA. We maybe need a few more documents. Here's what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so my biggest thing to families is get comfortable reaching out to the offices, to the financial aid professional. Typically, there's one or two you'll be working with. Mm-hmm. Ask those questions. If you get an email or your student gets an email, parents don't always get the email, right? It's the student. Yeah. Um, so there's some lost in translation mm-hmm. sometimes along the way. Um, calling us or shooting us a quick email and just saying, hey, do you have my FAFSA? What's going on? What's the next step? Gotcha. Always happy to help. Once we get into December, January, that's when those financial aid offers go out. They start going out beginning yeah. of the year. Yeah. Okay, so... so as far as timeline, what I'm hearing then is the beginning. Um, would you be filling out the FAFSA before applying then, before applying to a school? Typically, we don't see that happen. Okay. If you do, you can. We just won't do anything with the FAFSA. Right. We don't necessarily <laughs> have access to it until yeah. we know you're going to be a student and you're coming here. Yeah, well, I think there's this. See, that's where I think there's this, uh, this you know, kind of this, this veil, if you will, and maybe part of that. A fear that you mentioned is the uncertainty. Absolutely. Uh, certainly, you know, fear carries some level of uncertainty with it, right? But uh, is just, you know, how the financial aid department handles this all. So I'll get to that, I guess. We'll table that question for just a second. But if I understand the timeline correctly, if you fill out the FAFSA first, mm-hmm. uh, if you're not admitted to the school, if you're not applying there, you know, the school's yeah. not going to look at it yet. You can do that if of it's course. beginning of October because it opens up October 1st. Yep. And then you can do your application. So right now in October, mm-hmm. even though FAFSA just opened up, you might still be doing some college applications right now. Absolutely. And then the next step after that would be what for a family? After they've done some applications, after they filled out the FAFSA, what would be the next step for There's a little bit of waiting, which nobody likes to hear. Okay. Everyone thinks I've done it, now tell me, <laughs> uh, which I totally understand. Because <laughs> yeah. the financial piece is such a huge piece it of is. it. You can be so excited about a school and, and know even in the depths of your soul, this is where I belong, but you know, can we afford it? Right. Um, so a little bit of waiting. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where we're at right now, that no man's land. How much it. waiting is it typically? Yeah. So as I said, you know, we'll get a FAFSA as long as we're not missing any documents. Yeah. Um, we'll start to really look at those financial aid offers and 
earliest would be December. Okay. Um, so ideally, we send those out starting December, and then mm-hmm. the mail goes out, and then we have those great conversations moving forward as we get into January, February, March, April, that type of thing. And another question I know a lot of families have is, you know, with if there is this acceptance letter, does mm-hmm. the award letter come with that acceptance letter at the same time? Yeah, it okay. is weird. It's kind of disjointed in a way. So you get the really excited you've been admitted. Yeah. Right. We all do the happy dance in our living rooms. Sometimes the schools like Regis will send over a merit scholarship that you um, right. were eligible for just by nature of your high school GPA or SAT, ACT scores. Mm-hmm. So you get this great merit scholarship, but that's going to be different from financial aid, which is primarily based on financial need. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You'll maybe get an idea of a scholarship. You know, you've been admitted somewhere, but we will be sending the financial aid offer, that formal piece of paper later on. Mm. That's what comes later. And that's what comes in January or yeah. February. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, from what it sounds like, there are about a three, four month process as far as, yeah. you know, getting the information back. And then from there, uh, you know, what what's maybe next steps? You get those awards back. Yeah. Um, I know there's appeals that can sometimes happen. Absolutely. Okay. So yeah. the next step after that, I guess, after families get awards, what you guys are handling, it, is it appeals next or what would be the next step after that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And we can look at appeals at any time during the year. So even, you know, we could even look at an appeal with a family now. So okay. maybe we can't process it, but the FAFSA looks at what's called prior, prior tax information. Mm-hmm. So as we have families starting in what fall 2023, it's going to use 2021 tax data. If you already know there was a change in job right here in 2022, we can already walk you through that and talk to the steps about, okay, well, we need to get maybe your W-2s. We can see your pay stubs, things like that. We can already gather information Mm -hmm. to have it all ready to go Mm -hmm. once we have your FAFSA, once you've been admitted. And we can make those changes even in advance of sending out that initial financial aid offer. Yeah. For most families, though, they wait to get the financial aid offer. Then they kind of look at it and then they appeal with our office. Mm -hmm. So again, we can do it either way depends on a bit of the family. Do they know about the appeal process? Do they have those documents ready? You know, those types of questions. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, well, I think that that was really helpful. Thanks for running through that. Because again, the timeline, the order of operations, I think just lays it out to just help maybe put some of that stress uh, at bay. Um, I did have just some other questions of on financial aid. I mentioned there's kind of this, this it feels like there's almost like this black box and you get that award letter. So we mm-hmm. just went through that timeline. Yep. But as far as the computation, the process behind the scenes that's occurring, right? Yeah. Where do humans enter that equation and where is it maybe more of an algorithm? I don't know. I feel like a robot. Maybe I am. <laughs> we're all little cyborgs now. I mean, we got our bit, phone, right? we're attached to it, yes. right? But okay. I mean, so the first step is getting that initial FAFSA done. And then it calculates, you said, the EFC number, mm-hmm. which, as you also said, I'm so glad the government is changing that terminology mm-hmm. because expected family contribution is not an actual monetary figure. Yeah. It is one of lead to some the false hardest hope for the things, teenager. yes, yeah. to explain to a family. <laughs> yeah. Even at a zero EFC, that doesn't mean any school you're going to is free. You don't right. have a zero right. family contribution. Right. There will be some some monetary mm-hmm. aspect of it. Um, but the FAFSA will at least calculate an initial expected family contribution number. Okay. We use that to calculate something called financial need. Obviously, the closer your EFC is to zero, the higher financial need a family will have. Schools across the country are trying to use that to gauge, okay, well, we're, we have this limited pot of money. Right? It's not unlimited. We all wish it was. Mm-hmm. 
we're going to try and meet as much financial need for every student family as we possibly can through scholarships, grants, other things like work study and student loans, mm -hmm. um, and try to come up with a full financial aid package. Mm -hmm. That formula set out by the federal government when they do that FAFSA calculation is outside of my control. Yeah. So I don't play a part in that as a specific financial aid counselor. No financial aid professional does. Once we get that, though, then we can have those really great conversations from a human aspect. We work really closely with our admissions department. What scholarships do we have available? What endowments can we pull from? What appeals do we need to look at? Have there been a change in income, a change in job? Did you have significant medical expenses this past year that we can take into account? How do we take that information and maybe change the FAFSA data that we see to more accurately project what's going on in a family's current financial situation and how can we increase that financial need mm -hmm. and therefore that financial aid offer. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a human aspect and I think there's ways we can um, help families. It doesn't mean that we have, as I said, unlimited uh, assets to give out, but right. we can certainly look at a family and go through and say, okay, well, how, how can we make sure we are maximizing every opportunity possible. Okay. So that's how I feel we come into play most of the time. Right, right. So I think the details matter here. Thanks for sharing that. Of course. And the details matter here. So FAFSA, algorithm, formulaic, that makes sense. Yeah. Federal aid then goes into the institutional realm, right? So mm -hmm. the institutional aid that might be available at a school like Regis. So um, you guys then get, it, let's just say some, school uh somebody's you know trying to go to school here right so mm -hmm. trying to get admitted they apply is it the financial aid office that's looking at that application first or is it the admissions, admissions? so it goes yep. admissions yep they review it mm -hmm. and are they attaching merit scholarships there yeah. okay okay so yeah. merit scholarships that's going to be the admissions department okay so is that piece then just strictly formulaic or like, hey, computation, hey, 3-8, uh, for you the know, most 1,400 part. SAT, yeah. this person now qualifies for this scholarship. I think for the most part, I think, I mean, and I'm not working in admissions, but right. I know they have them fill out an essay. It's okay. part of the admissions process. I right. think someone could look at that and maybe make a, a human determination, if you will. Right. But is it going to vary significantly? Are they going to say, well, I read your essay and... You know, your GPA might be low, your test scores yeah. might be great, but yeah. blown out of the water, we're going to give you Seem the like top a great scholarship. Guy. <laughs> yeah. So I think for the yeah. most part, they try to stay within the realm we can all sort of understand. And it helps maintain fairness, equi equitability, excuse me, all of okay. those great things. So yeah. definitely a human factor, but it's not going to swing so far to the left or to the right, right. based on maybe those other things that you put in an admissions application. Okay. So... Um there might be a little bit of a human factor there, but with admissions, that first round that are kind of those automatic merit scholarships you yeah. see on GPA, test scores, that's going to be most likely uh, determined by just computation, just a formula, right? Yeah. A little bit of human may be involved there, but not, Absolutely. not as much other than obviously the application reviewing yeah. whether or not someone gets into the school. So yeah. going through the essays, that's probably not a computer that's doing that job. No. No. Uh, that'd be some, some high that'd tech. That'd be a really smart That'd be computer. some high tech, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And then from there, they say, okay, hey, 
the student we're going to admit, mm -hmm. then at that point, they pass it off to you guys. Is that right? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, again, Regis is so unique in that we're a small school. So we have financial aid and admissions is under the same umbrella. Um, so we don't do the same jobs, but we work as a team. Right. So a student builds that relationship with their admissions counselor through maybe a high school event or they've been, you know, texting with them this whole time, really excited. That relationship, we don't necessarily want to encroach on that. We don't mm -hmm. want to scare them. Right. right? Financial aid. Ogre over here. Yeah. <laughs> right. So sometimes we might work with the admissions counselor and say, well, maybe the information would be better from you. So mm -hmm. why don't we work together or why don't we write an email together? Right. Right. We can maybe have a, a meeting together, a Zoom, or we can do something like that if they come to campus and we'll just all meet as a group. Um, so sometimes we don't do a direct handoff. Sometimes it really is more is of a, a joint conversation. Yeah, let's work on this together so we okay. all feel comfortable with the situation. Is that common in a lot of schools or do you see kind of the separation of church and state between admissions and financial aid? Is that more uh, I mean, is that more of a hard line? at other schools or is that, you know, maybe private and public if you could distinguish between those two? I, I guess I'm just curious yeah. how much those departments really do work together. It's such a good question. I've been at Regis for so long, I'm not sure I know exactly how other schools work inside yeah. and out. I could say I think there's probably more separation than we'd like. Mm -hmm. We are so fortunate our leadership really believe that it should be together as mm -hmm. a team. And I've even seen that change over the last 15 years or so. Okay. So I've been really fortunate to see that grow and evolve to so that it is more of a team collaboration rather than a, nope, I'm done with you. You right. go work with them solely. Right. Um, so I think Regis is unique in that way. I can't say we are the only school that does it that way, but mm -hmm. I definitely have seen it grow Mm -hmm. um, here, yeah. so. I'd be curious, you know, I have, like anyone, limited experience, uh, just my own perception from my own experience working with colleges, and I have seen that vary, mm -hmm. and I've seen schools uh, kind of blatantly say, no, there is a little bit more division there between the two, and uh, it seems to be um, maybe a little bit more prevalent at larger public institutions because it's makes so much sense you they're so big yeah you think is yeah. uh you would scale like anything you yeah. work with any big organization you have more departments and there's less hats that are being worn and less collaboration a little you know a lot of time um which is sometimes to the detriment of the end consumer um, but in order to scale understandably that's what's required and yeah. maybe with government institutions being, you know, uh, uh, public colleges. Uh, there's also just less, uh, less willingness maybe to work or let's just say sway with the times, right? Flex with the times is maybe the two are now needed to work together a little bit more than they used to be. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I'm not, not in that realm. No, it's a great thought much, process. But. I mean, it's an interesting conversation. When I was at Boulder, even just as a student, 30,000 plus undergraduates, how, how do you, I don't know how you would learn all the jobs to be able to have those good conversations and, and talk as a team. Right. You all are trying to work through a, a whole lot of students. A so lot. Sometimes it's just workload that creates some of those silos that, you know, and I, I didn't think that I was confused in any way. Right. Um, but yeah, it's nice here. I mean, especially because you're dealing with institutional aid as well. At a mm. larger public institution, it's going to be more just straight up federal and state aid. Glad right? you brought there that isn't, up. There isn't kind of that institutional endowment, those merit scholarships, they, they simply don't exist. So it does right. streamline the financial aid side of it to an extent. Right. I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up because, uh, so I had an opportunity to go to large public school mm -hmm. and Regis 
actually. And I noticed that difference, but I was unaware of it until I got here. Um, I was sitting in the financial aid office and I had heard that, you know, coaches, what I had heard is coaches can string together these scholarships and help you out if you're an athlete, right? I didn't realize that you didn't have to be a savant or the second coming to get a merit aid scholarship, right? And I was sitting with the financial aid department. They were mentioning the scholarships I would um, basically just automatically qualify for as a transfer student. And I was blown away uh, at how much money there was there to bring this sticker price down. And so I, yep. I guess the question I just have for you is I have my experience with public, large school, yep. private, small school being Regis. You've worked at University of Colorado Boulder, mm-hmm. very large school, beautiful school. Yep. Um, I was actually just out there. But you've also worked here at Regis. What differences have you noticed? What are some of the big differences that you notice and maybe like the good and the bad of those differences? Uh, there are no bad. <laughs> Never. No, there's no bad. Yeah. For me, the biggest difference <laughs> truly was the community here. Yeah. So just knowing there was help every step of the way and that I could be a part of that help. When you're at a big school and you're trying to do financial aid, you you meet the questions that are coming in because that's all you can do. Mm-hmm. The phone keeps ringing. The emails keep coming in. So it's more of a response Whereas when you're at some place like Regis, you can really try and be proactive with mm. how you're communicating with families. Um, I can do more high school outreach events, which has been wonderful, and really work with some of the um, Catholic schools around the area. But also we're going to Smoky Hill later on this week, again, just helping filling out FAFSAs, that type of thing. But working with our admissions staff, how can we partner during their own outreach events mm. um, when they're bringing families here? They're doing a tour, stop by, and just see someone in our office before you leave. Mm-hmm. So it's a much more open concept, I think, and a yeah. little bit more relaxed um, in a certain way, which I find just to be really wonderful. That's why I've stayed here so long. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I, again, we, ta- we touched on that. I think as a system scales or organization being a school or company, um, you typically as an employee have less freedom, right? Yeah. And the reason behind that, again, is in order to scale, you can't give the employee as much freedom because you're trying to manage so much more. Absolutely. So I Volume could see, is a big thing. Yeah. yeah, I could see where that's the case. Now, from a financial aid standpoint, mm-hmm. one of the surprises to me was getting to a private school and realizing like, oh my gosh, like I can go to this expensive school yep. for a lot less than I anticipated. Yep. I didn't realize that until my last year. Um, That's like our favorite slide. We love that slide. We use Regis Professionals. Oh, it's our favorite, right? Right. We do a little slide and we're like, well, we're about the same cost as this public school. Right. Right. Once all is said and done, even from just a merit scholarship edition, we've already brought it down so that we're on par. Right. So then the extra financial aid that you might see here is just, I mean, icing on the cake sometimes. Totally. Fantastic. Yeah. And I guess... I'm curious the difference between, you know, when you're working at that, when you were working at that big public school, and I know you had a little bit different role. Yeah. Um, you know, was their merit really doled out? Uh, and that in, may have changed in the last And I know that's, years. it is but very no, dependent. there was no merit. It was just state, state grant if you qualified. Yeah. Pell Grant, which is a federal grant based on your FAFSA, but you have to show extraordinary financial need to receive it. Yep. And student loans. Yeah. That was pretty much it. Pretty much it. Um, and work city, but again, work city was even based on a pretty low expected family contribution number because again, there's so many students and a limited pot of money. 
well, then what do you do? Well, you have to give it to students who are showing the most financial need first and foremost. Yeah. Um, so I think we have a lot more freedom here to kind of work with a financial aid offer with a combination of things that didn't exist at, at least in my experience, that long ago. Yeah, well, yeah. and I, I wonder how much that had to do with CU because, you know, Colorado Boulder is mm -hmm. a very attractive public school. Yes. You know, it's not... Uh, maybe some of these public schools that are having to throw merit or mm -hmm. some type of scholarship on top to bring, you know, you see some of the schools in the South, for example, they have some of these uh, discounts available for out-of-state students because yeah. part of their government program is to try and attract kids to the state to yeah. move there and incentivize, you know, smart, talented Absolutely. people to come, right? So I wonder if that was maybe more Colorado-specific, but what it seems like and I've dove into this quite a bit, but obviously you're in the world more than I am, is, you know, these public schools are just less willing to provide a discount. And they're more just like, hey, this is our price. If you qualify for federal aid in some format, yeah. great. If not, we're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to look at loans. I think for the most part, that's a, I mean, simplistic to an extent without delving into sort of what they're doing. We are but yes. consolidating a little bit. Yeah. 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 Okay. Interesting. Um, and I guess maybe that's more attractive for high income earning families that are looking, you know, their kid maybe wants to go out of state, mm -hmm. but, you know, out of state public where they're not going to work with you as much yes. other than some regional programs that exist. Um, you know, maybe that's where private schools are more attractive to that family that won't qualify for federal financial out aid. Out-of-state families, absolutely, because there is no difference in tuition for in-state, out-of-state. There's right. no difference in the financial aid that we're offering. It is based on that FAFSA EFC. So you're going to see an in-state resident as well as an out-of-state resident. If your FAFSA information is the same, your merit scholarship's the same, your financial aid offer is going to be the same. Right. So you're seeing that same level of affordability no matter where you're coming from across the country. Yeah. Somewhere like going to CU Boulder, if I was an Ohio resident, out-of-state tuition it's gonna be crazy. is a lot. I think it might be the most expensive out-of-state school yeah. for public. Yeah. It's up there. It's like 57000 uh, just for tuition, and then you got to live in Boulder, which isn't you know, cheap either. Yeah. And I do think they probably have some merit opportunities Something. for out-of-state students. Yeah. I don't know if it's as, as robust, and it certainly is not intended to get it to the same standard as a, a Colorado resident. Yeah. Not standard, same amount is a better term. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a little bit different there as well. Makes sense. Are there ever any tough calls? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Well, no one wants to have... You meet with fantastic families. I've had the joy of meeting with so many. Sometimes Regis may not be the best financial fit. Maybe not the best financial fit right now. Maybe it's a, a conversation of waiting a semester, waiting for a year. Maybe it's let's start at a community college. And if you're still feeling that pull to come to Regis, let's chat when you hit that junior year. I mean, you transferred in yourself. So maybe there was that change or something you wanted to see at the end of your mm -hmm. undergraduate career as well. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Well, I think my priorities just changed. Yeah. Uh, I realized what was maybe more important towards the end of my college career. But yeah. yeah. But at a certain point, we can't necessarily make it free. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really hard because there are some really deserving, wonderful families out there. And if I could make it free, I would. I would yeah. love to. Same yeah. for most of my life. <laughs> free too. But, you know, sometimes it's just a little bit out of reach and I can't necessarily promote an extra student loan or another parent plus loan because that doesn't make sense for their finances either. 
Yeah. So you try to do what you can, but you're also knowing that there is going to be a two-way street, right? We're going to give as much as we can, but we also have to tell families, well, you're going to have to bring in something as well. So and is that, okay, so that's interesting. So is that, you know, kind of in that final stage yeah. when maybe there's, uh, you could say it's maybe an appeal or at least uh, you're at the point where you're conversing with the family yeah. and you're trying to find something that could work and, yeah. you know, I hate to use the word negotiation. Um, I, hopefully, families aren't using that. I'm sure that you know kind of seems beneath uh, school to to think that they're maybe engaging in that. But in a lot of ways, you know how it presents itself. It's that you know the school has what it has, yep. and they're trying to fulfill some, let's just say, need. Uh, and the family is also maybe looking at this, and they're trying to fulfill some needs. So it sounds like that is maybe at that last step when you're really talking with to an extent the yeah family. yeah and we try to have those conversations or I try to have them or encourage our counselors to have them as early as possible you know right as we hit that spring semester Regis has a scholarship month in February right so you have those financial aid offers going out you have a scholarship month where we're even saying okay last effort we have some scholarships out there write an essay come here let's compete for a few other ones let's see if we can add on to your existing financial aid offer interesting so you would have those conversations with a family like look Absolutely. for other yeah. ways we bring them in during that scholarship month we have you know my whole staff kind of at the ready and we meet one-on-one -on -one with families and we say okay right now here's what it's looking like you're competing for this scholarship or hey did you write an essay for this one you get your mom face on and you stare at them and say yeah. have you done this yet because this would be really cool right wouldn't you like another five thousand dollars on yeah. top of this yeah so we try to get them to do all those last things, right? right. Have you done external scholarships? Because all of those applications are going to be closing soon as well. Mm -hmm. So what else are you doing? So how can we help you? How can you help you, mm -hmm. right, yeah. add on to this? And for some families, what we've given already, I mean, those are the best conversations, right? Like, they're already so excited. They would love more. Who doesn't want more? But right. even if they didn't get the scholarship they're competing for, they feel really solid about what we can offer. Yeah. So I think that's what we're really trying to push, um, mm -hmm. at least in those months, is, okay, did we look under every rock, right? right? Do we turn around every corner? Do we bust through every door? Let's try there first. Right. Once we get into those conversations in April, you know, right before the May 1 um, deadline to deposit to a school, I, I don't know what other word to use other than negotiation. Mm -hmm. It can be to an extent, but again, I think most schools are really trying hard to keep that line of also being fair and equitable, right? right? Yeah. If, if we've kind of looked at appeals, we've looked at your scholarship applications, we've explored every possible uh, grant that we could give, maybe work-study award, something like that, and it's still not enough, Yeah. then it's just a family call, right? Totally. It's a family decision because yeah. we can't we can't just start handing over more and more just because you asked. Right. There needs to be some legitimate reason there. Yeah. And so they can they can reach out to you then. Mm -hmm. And that, I guess, uh, usually happens if we're looking at the timeline, maybe around December to February after they've been admitted. Or when is that? Because, yeah. I, I mean, just from afar, like... Uh, the, yeah, know, bird's eye view. Yeah, how this sounds is, and how it feels from the outside is like, um, there's this entity that is going to examine me and decide whether or not I get in yep. and whether or not I get, you know, any discount. Yep. And there's not really that human element that is seen, I think, from afar yeah. for a lot of families. And so I guess this is really helpful to, to hear, but I'm also just curious, 
like when can a student reach out and start talking to a financial aid officer like yeah. yourself and figure out, hey, what other opportunities are maybe there that I might be missing? I think the best time to have the more robust conversations is after that financial aid offer has gone out, which again is such a hard ask because you're asking families to sit there and wait. Right. If we can get that first offer though, then we know we have your FAFSA. We know we're not missing anything. We know you have the offer. You've seen what we can give. And then we can start to have those better conversations. What's going on? Has something changed? Have you done these scholarship applications for scholarship month? Have we you know, explored X, Y, and Z options with an external scholarship organization, something like that? But I think it's so helpful as a financial aid professional to have the data at hand. It is harder to have uh, you know, unclear conversations. Without a FAFSA, you can tell me you experienced a loss of income, but I, I can't see it yet. I can't play with those numbers. I can't tell you, well, if I kind of put that in, right. it looks like this would change and we're looking at maybe X amount more just from the get-go. Does right. that make sense? Totally does, yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the critical mistakes I think a lot of families make is, well, I won't qualify for financial aid, therefore oh, yeah. I'm not going to fill out a FAFSA. And if oh, you I have- Oh, I torture them every year. Yeah. Yes, just do it once even for me. Let's In order just play to get that game. financial aid award, Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, you need to have that FAFSA that you can then use, right, yeah. as a financial aid department. And then as a consumer, if you're looking at the school, in order to even get that award to which you can maybe appeal or talk more about yes. later, uh, you need to have that FAFSA filled out. Yes. You can't escape the FAFSA. Yeah, you, you really can't. <laughs> yes, or can saying, we say that very spooky? <laughs> or saying, I mean, that word is just like kind of haunted me. I'm not a big fan of like having, this is a difficult word to say correctly sometimes. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Now, you mentioned also uh, the parent, the student kind of gets confusing sometimes. Absolutely. Who are you guys communicating with then? And should families, if it's the student, should families then say, hey, make sure to tag mom and dad to this email each time? Or like, how does that work? Yeah, I don't know. So I was, I was telling you before, I have two daughters. They're nine and six. And I'd like to say I'm going to be this really great parent that says, well, this is going to be you. I trust you. I've raised you right. Yeah. Let's do it that way. Probably not going to be that cool parent. I'm probably going to hover really heftily. What I see a lot of families do is they, the student fills out the FAFSA. The student is our customer. Bottom line, we have to be working most often with the student. Right. However, while they're a prospective student, we do try to bring the family in. Mom and this dad is, the of bank, course, typically. a financial. Yeah, it's a family decision. Yeah. It's a big financial financial decision. Um, but if they use their student's email for their admissions application, when they're logging into the FAFSA, which they should, mm -hmm. the emails are going to go to the student. Mm -hmm. That's what's in our system. That's who we're communicating with. Right. That is the problem. If mom's waiting for the email, right. I would be that same way. I'd be like, where's my email? Yeah. I'm the mom. Hand it over. Yeah. Um, so so it's not a Snapchat or no. Instagram DM that, okay. Oh, we are not that cool. Because I mean, I was just, I mean, most teenagers, yeah, yeah email is... Oh, ancient. Already. Oh, it's horrible. It's ancient, right? Yeah. We love, if I could text you your financial aid offer, I would, but I think that's even ancient, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we do need to Snapchat that. That is interesting. Yeah, my cousin, she's, I think, 17, and she's like, what do you mean text? Like, we only communicate oh, via Snap. 
I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> We're all struggling because it has to be official. The government makes us send certain things, <laughs> regulatorily speaking. Right. Oh, it's horrible. We are uncool. That's yeah. probably half the battle with financial aid is just how uncool we fundamentally well, are. Well, I think this is really helpful, though, because, again, there's that human element that is just not understood. Mm -hmm. And it's really viewed as that black box. So just even speaking with you again, I think this will be really helpful for people to both hear and see that you do exist. That's I a good do thing. exist. That's a good thing. I'm not an ogre. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> That's a good thing. That's yeah. a good thing. Um, okay. Well, you know, this has been, as I mentioned, uh, you know, really helpful. Uh, I guess to close here, what advice would you give families as they're looking at taking the first few steps here in this journey? I mean, if you'll let me go on a short rant. Do it. Short rant. Run. But so when I was looking at schools many moons ago, as we discussed, I'm ancient and very uncool. Um, I was looking at three schools, but one of them was in another state. We won't say what state, but it was out of my, my local state, right? Okay. And we got a financial aid offer in the mail, and I was so excited. I thought, well, this is within my reach. But my mom said, but we have to go look at it. You don't know. You feel so in your soul that this is the school for you, but you've never even been there. So my mom got me on a plane. We went out to that school. I was there for all of 10 minutes. I went on a plane 10 minutes and thought, no, this isn't my place. Mm -hmm. I met with their financial aid office. I had the tour. I stayed for what we kind of came there for, but I knew within 10 minutes that maybe that wasn't my place. Mm -hmm. I really encourage families to come here and visit. Come chat with their admissions counselor. Come to a daily visit. Come take a tour and meet another student or a faculty member. And then also come see us because when you build those relationships in that community, you're going to figure out, hey, I think this is the place for me. Mm -hmm. Or maybe say, I don't think this is the place for me. But that's the first important step yeah. is saying what place is for me. Right. And then let me try and help make that a reality as best as I can. Your admissions counselor is going to do the same thing. We're all going to try to work as a team to make it happen. Mm -hmm. But I really encourage people to visit because I think once you know this is home, it's all going to feel better. And you're going to feel better coming to chat with me. Yeah. Say, Catherine, I have a problem. Or my missions counselor, hey, what am I missing? What step did I miss here? Does that make sense? Totally. That's great So advice. I think visiting is my first advice. The second one is, like I said, don't fear the financial aid office. We don't see a lot of walk-ins. I don't think that's an accident. <laughs> I, I think, I think there's fear there, and you I. You just get your Halloween decorations other way. I will. We look yeah. spooky right now. Yeah. Yes, on purpose. Yeah. But I, I just hope we see more families, especially as maybe we're getting out of that email texting environment. I don't know much about Snapchat or Instagram, but um, I hope they just come and see us. Yeah. I hope they chat with us, and we don't always have the answers. It's not always going to be a, a great. Yes, here's thousands of dollars, but man, we would love to just sit down with people and make sure that we're we're understanding exactly what's happening and that we're finding ways to help meet needs whenever possible. Yeah, yeah, such good advice. I hope so. I I, I think that's wonderful advice uh, coming from someone that probably wouldn't have gone to Alaska if I had visited it first. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but, you know, those are the types of things you maybe do when you're a teenager, right? Absolutely. Uh, I knew in my soul I was going to go right. to that school. And yeah. my soul told me otherwise when I got there. I think we just, you know, we all carry expectations with us. Um, but, you know, that expectation is just not going to be how it is. You know, yeah. once you get there, once you really feel out of school, uh, that's so critically important. Um, but I think it's also important to objectively stare at 
you know, the numbers, yes. which you walk around a beautiful campus. Maybe yeah. you're looking out of state at Colorado since we've picked on them the whole conversation yes. here. And you see the flat irons up there and you get the feels and it just feels so great. But yeah. that award letter, maybe you don't have as big of a connection to the numbers. The intuition maybe isn't there to really understand the weight that will come with that. So there's maybe yes. a balance um, and that's not meant to be a pushback in any no, way, but maybe an addition, price. maybe Absolutely. it's an add on to what you're saying of. I totally agree. It's figuring out what the net price is. Yeah. I mean, I touched on, we, we sit down with families. There's a cost sheet. Here's your costs. Here's what we can give you. Here's the bottom line. Now, is that something you feel comfortable with in terms of a monthly payment you can make? Is that a lump sum payment you can make each semester? Do you feel great about this amount ish for four years? Mm -hmm. You know, those are great things. Yeah. Um, I think you really do need to look though at, yeah, the bottom line, because sticker price is not necessarily accurate, mm -hmm. right? Even the bottom line of the net price, some people get scared about that lump sum, but mm -hmm. once you break it into monthly payments, it feels more reasonable. Yeah. Even student loans, we won't delve down that, that rabbit hole We don't have to today. dive. Yes. Yeah, we won't have to dive down right but now. But is some of that necessary? Will that help bring that down to where that monthly payment is more manageable? Mm -hmm. And do you feel comfortable? Let's sit down and look at a calculator. If you borrowed this amount of loan money for four years, this is your total. Right. What will your monthly payment look like? And right. we do a little bit of that too to try and say, okay, let's take the fear out of it. Look at the numbers and say from just stepping back, do you feel comfortable with something like this as a monthly payment? Right. Sometimes the answer is yes, and that's a good answer. Right. Sometimes it's no, and then maybe you need to step back and say, I'm not sure. Yeah, and sometimes it's it's maybe the, uh, the only real option um, Unfortunately, for some families, I believe uh, that maybe that isn't true. I think a lot of times you, you dive into the opportunity that exists. There's just so much opportunity out there, both with what the child can control, the student can control, yeah. um, just personally, but also, you know, just from a shopping standpoint, really looking at the different schools, working with the different schools to find mm -hmm. the different offers that I believe that loan can you know dramatically get cut down from yeah. maybe what you think it might be up front. I or totally agree. Uh, even, you know, diminished completely. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much. This has been awesome. I hope I really, so. Yeah, I really appreciate, appreciate you. your time. And I think this will be helpful for people to see. So thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much. Yep.